Welcome to Montana 3000, Tales of 15 Minutes From Now, read by the author, Sean Gallagher. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and see the website for updates on new episodes at montana3000.com. And now, your host, Sean Gallagher. Fairy Tales 4 Once upon a time, there was a kind and aging king who had a cruel and selfish son. The king was much vexed because he sensed the time approaching when he would be called home to the realm of his forefathers. He knew when he sailed that distant shore, his crown would pass to one unfit to rule, thus plunging his kingdom to ruin and his subjects to despair. So the king announced a trial to find the wisest and most valiant of his land. The first to answer three questions to the king's satisfaction would inherit the throne and rule his enchanted kingdom. Answering them not to the king's pleasure meant banishment to the wilderness and death by beasts and cold. As so not to arouse his son's suspicion, the prince and those counselors loyal to him were sent by the king on an errand of royal business to a faraway land. One day, an unlikely young girl arrived at the castle's gate, seeking audience with the king. She was thirteen harvests aged, grown fifteen hands high, and had honest eyes of hazel flecked with spots of gold. Her chestnut curls were rope thick and woven with a fragrant garland of wildflowers and woodland herbs. She wore the threadbare frock of a farm girl and walked in shoeless feet. On her shoulder sat a magpie, and by her side walked a small horned and white-eared goat. She held no leash as none was needed. The goat went as she went and never left her side. The magpie fed on pumpkin seeds from a pocket on her dress, and she whispered time to time in its feathered ear. It seemed to whisper back. "'You seek the crown, child?' queried the king. "'I seek a peaceful realm, my lord,' her mild reply. "'So listen well, and answer me this question first of three. Then spake he thus the following tale. "'Once upon a time there was a shepherd boy "'who lived with his father in the foothills "'and tended their flock of sheep in the mountain meadows above. "'It was lonely in the alpine heights,' and the boy's only plaything was a silver ball that he always had near and loved with all his heart. One day, the ball rolled off a ledge and under a large stone, out of the boy's reach. He was much lamented and sat on the ground to weep. A snake slithered by and said to the child, Why do you weep, boy? I've lost my favorite plaything under that stone, and I fear I shall never have it back. It's my only friend in this lonely place. Have heart, the snake replied. I am slight and can slide under the stone to get your ball. I'll do this for you if you promise to be my friend, for I too am alone and lonely here. The boy agreed, and the snake retrieved the toy. Both were joy-filled, the boy to have his plaything, a snake to have a friend. Later that night, as the boy and his ball nestled into his shepherd's hut, the snake slid in and curled at the boy's feet. "'What are you doing?' said the boy. "'We are friends now, and I want to share your hut. It is cold in the cave where I live.' "'Go from here. This is no place for a snake,' replied the boy, and the saddened snake slithered away. 
The next morning, the boy and his sheep left the high meadow and headed down to the foothills, for the grazing season was done, and it was almost time to take the fattened flock to market. Nestled once again in his father's hearth-warmed cottage, the boy with his ball fell to restful sleep. He was woken before dawn, however, by a soft hiss in his ear. Again, it was the snake. Why did you leave me in the mountains, boy? That is no way to treat a friend. The boy, in fear and anger, grabbed the snake by its tail and flung it into the night. Go from here, snake, and don't come back. Beasts and boys aren't meant as friends. Heartbroken, the snake slid away. But as it left, it bit the heel of three ewes and three lambs each, sending them all to death. Then the snake returned to its high-up cave, its trust in man forever shattered. When the boy's father awoke before the sun and found his sick sheep dead, he flew into a rage and beat his shepherd's son. Then he made the boy sell his silver ball at market to pay for the animals he'd lost. The boy wept bitterly for his misfortune, and ever after killed every snake he saw. So goes the tale of the serpent and the toy. His story complete, the king looked to the girl and asked, Tell me, little one, was the serpent just in its killing of the sheep? With a steady stare and little pause, the girl replied, Alas, my liege, t'was not. It was the serpent's will to trust, and the boy's will to betray. So too did the serpent choose its path when it took the road of revenge. My parents, may heaven keep them both, taught me vengeance is a venom most harmful to the doer, not the done too. And so, my lord, I must say the serpent was wrong in its reprisal. With inscrutable gaze, the king delayed for a moment, stroking his beard engrossed in regal thought. Then, with a satisfied nod, he spoke. Verily, child, your words ring wise and true. So hear what's next, and answer my question, too. Once upon a time, there were two unlikely friends named Wave and Flame. They were born of separate tribes, each camp forsworn to war with the other. Despite the raging feud between their clans, the two decided to live together in fraternal peace and established a common house. The friends set aside shared gold to buy winter provisions, so when icy storms arrived, they would have food and warmth for the season. They placed ten coins in a pouch of hide, and buried it in the woods. When winter comes, we shall dig up the gold and be happy that we have it, said each to the other. One day at market, Wave saw a silver hammer he greatly wished to have, though he had no money to buy it. He snuck to the woods and took two coins from the hide pouch, then bought the hammer and took it home. Where did you get that fine hammer? asked Flame when he saw it. A gift from a grateful nobleman, whose child I saved from drowning, answered Wave. And Flame raised a toast to his friend's courageous deed. Not long after, Wave was back at market and spied a saddle of excellent craft and filigree. He snuck again to the forest and took coins from the buried pouch to buy it then saddled his sway-back donkey and rode home, feeling dandy and proud. "'Where did you get that fine saddle, Wave?' asked Flame, for he knew his friend had not the money to buy it. "'A gift from a grateful nobleman, whose wife I saved from drowning,' answered Wave. And Flame raised a toast to his twice-courageous friend, though doubt whispered in his ear. Autumn approached, and Wave was once again at market. 
This time, a fanciful hourglass caught his eye. What a fine thing it would be to have that on my mantle, thought Wave, though of course he had not the money to buy it. So he snuck to the woods and took the last of the coins from the hide pouch, then brought home his new and shiny knickknack. Where did you get that hourglass? asked Flame, as Wave proudly placed the bauble on their worn and humble table. A gift from a grateful nobleman whose horse I saved from drowning, answered Wave. This time, Flame was greatly suspicious, and though he said nothing, nor did he toast his friend's courage, but sat rather in uncertain silence. Then the north wind blew down upon them, and it was time to provision for winter. When Flame retrieved the hide pouch from the wood and found it empty, he knew at once that Wave had taken their gold and squandered it. He flew to anger and spoke harshly to Wave. You have wasted our gold on selfish conceit, he raged. Do not speak to me like this warned Wave, for his arrogance would not allow him to admit his folly. It will be a cold and hungry winter because of you, proud fool, bellowed Flame. Wave did not like to be yelled at and flew into a rage of his own. He took the silver hammer and smashed his friend's skull, killing him to silence. So guilt-ridden was he by this hateful deed that Wave then flung himself to the sea, where he died most horribly in the jaws of an ocean beast. So goes the tale of the pouch of hidden hide. Tell me, child, spoke the king after a quiet pause, whose vanity led this pair to ruin? May it please, my lord, spoke the girl after a pause of her own. The fault was equal shared. For having thrown their family quarrel to disregard and chosen a home forbidden by their fathers, their ruin was rightly received. The king again stroked his beard a habit he had when thinking deeply, and then replied, But child, he spoke, wasn't it noble and good for these two friends to seek accord where their families had failed? Must not it be the fate of some pioneer to take the plunge for peace, despite possible pain unto them? At this, the magpie on the girl's shoulder leaned close its beak into her ear, and though no sound could be heard by any but she, the girl nodded softly, then lifted her eyes to the king and spoke. My lord, forgive me. More distant sees your learned gaze than mine. Peace before pride is ever the nobler aim. At these words the king was well pleased, for to hear with an open heart sound suggestion from worthy counsel is the hallmark of prudence and wisdom. I am happy by thee, returned the king. So hear once more and answer this, the last of my questions three. Once upon a time, there lived a widowed huntsman and his baby girl, deep in an ancient wood. One day, the huntsman came upon a falcon with an injured wing, lying still near a brook. The huntsman mended the falcon's wing and placed it in a tree where it would be safe until it could heal and return to the sky. As the huntsman turned to go, there was a flash of brilliant light, and the falcon revealed itself to be a beautiful sorceress. You saved me, huntsman, spoke the enchantress. And so I grant you a wish in return for your kindness. The huntsman was a humble man and had no want of wealth or power. He asked instead that the sorceress take his young daughter and teach her in the ways of good magic. This wish I grant you, spoke the kind witch, and she brought the girl to her enchanted garden, where she raised her as her own. There the girl learned to cast charms and spells and to draw magic from the woods. She befriended the flowers and the woodland creatures and was known by them as a kind and gentle spirit. 
One day, when the girl had grown to the age of 16, the enchantress, having business afar, entreated the girl to tend the magic garden while she was away. The good witch took the girl by the hand and led her to a part of the garden she had never seen before, where there stood a tall stone wall with three doors embedded, one of iron, one of gold, and one of silver. The enchantress told the girl that while she could enter the doors of iron and gold, she must not touch the door of silver. The girl told her mistress she would obey, and with that, the enchantress turned to a falcon's form and flew from the garden, leaving the girl alone. She was anxious to see what secrets the two doors held, and the girl entered the iron door first. Within its chamber was revealed the truth of war and peace. The girl was filled with understanding of how to end the strife of all mankind, and her heart was greatly gladdened by this knowledge. She next entered the door of gold, and therein were revealed the secrets of possession and worldly goods. She came to see how the evil of money could be conquered, and poverty and dearth amongst all peoples relieved. In this knowledge, her spirit grew light, and hope abounded. As she turned from the stone wall and went to leave the three doors for other parts of the garden, temptation gripped her, and a voice within her crooned. Surely just a peek through the silver door won't hurt. My mistress is away, and she'll never know if I tarry a moment longer. At this, the girl entered the forbidden door, and terrible power and mystery consumed her. For within its chamber was revealed the nature and truth of all the universe, a knowledge too great for any world-born creature to contain. In a burst of light and flame, the girl was flung from the silver chamber and across the garden, where she lay, deaf, dumb, and blind, until the sorceress returned from her errand and found the girl in an unconscious heap. With a charm, the good witch restored the girl's hearing, but not her voice or sight, and spoke to her thus. You have disobeyed me, child, and broken my trust. You are unworthy of the garden and must live once again amongst men and their treachery. At this, the enchantress cast the girl from her magic garden and left her in an empty wood. For many years the girl wandered, unable to see or speak, surviving on what meager rations the forest dislodged, until one day a young woodsman happened upon her, and though she was bedraggled and disarranged from years spent in blind and speechless wander, he could see she was beautiful and kind. He took her to his forest lodge, where she found rest and recovered from her trial. After a time, the two married and had twin girls, whom they named Hope and Faith. One night in a dream, the girl was visited by the enchantress, who asked her to repent for seeking the silver door. You flung me to the forest and left me to die. But I was strong and found my own way to a happy life. I repent nothing, evil witch. Now leave me and don't return, spoke the girl to her mistress. You hurt me with your vanity replied the enchantress, and left the girl's dream, taking with her the baby Hope. Though saddened by the loss of their child, the blind mute wife and her woodsman groom lived on in the woods and cherished their daughter Faith. Some time passed and the girl was again visited in a dream by the enchantress, who once more entreated her to repent for seeking the silver door and its unbridled light. You abandoned me and took my hope besides. I will never repent. Now go, witch, and don't return, spoke the girl with fervent rage. Saddened by the intense passion of the girl's pride, the enchantress left the dream and took with her this time the baby Faith. 
When she awoke and found her second child gone, the girl gnashed her teeth in misery and beat her chest in anguish. She took herself to the wood's highest cliff in order to fling herself to death on the sharp stone veil below. As she stood on the rocky ledge, one step from her demise, she thought to empty heaven. Forgive me, mistress, my vanity and pride. I sought the silver door in disobedience of your command. You are just, and I am a fool. As these thoughts crossed the girl's mind and she prepared to step to her wretched fate, thunder shook the sky and the enchantress appeared. The girl's sight and voice returned and she saw her mistress before her, holding in her arms the baby's hope and faith. Your humble truth restores you, spoke the kind witch, then changed to the form of a falcon and flew away over the valley below, leaving the mother and her children to joyful reunion. So goes the tale of the door of silver secrets. And now the final question, smiled the king, for he sensed he'd found his heir. What power compelled the wise witch to have such patience with the girl, whose defiance and pride cost nearly all she held dear? "'Twas that magic that makes all the world work, my lord," answered the girl without wait. "'Twas love that steered her mercied heart." At this, the king clapped his hands and rose from his throne in joyful triumph, for it was confirmed. His heir was found. At once he brought the girl, along with her goat and bird, to live in the castle, and he spent the rest of his days teaching her in the ways of wise rule. When his time came, the king passed in contented peace for he knew the crown went to one worthy of its weight. After many moons, the king's son and his loyals returned from their travels to find a new heir on the gone king's throne. His father's trickery filled the prince with murderous fury, and he departed the kingdom enraged. He swore to return with an army and make war on the kingdom, putting the young queen's head on a stick and retaking his rightful crown. A great and mighty battle ensued. But that is a different tale to be told another time. The End This has been another episode of Montana 3000. Check out the website for more information and additional stories. Montana3000.com If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. Until next time, happy trails.